This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of the Arsenal News Show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a fantastic start to your week. Well, I say start, we've reached the middle, which is really, really good because uh, it means the weekend is ever so closer. Uh, and of course, we just completed the first round of the last round uh, of knockouts or group knockouts, if you like. We've seen Ecuador uh, and, of course, Qatar, the hosts, fall out of Group A after a brilliant win for Senegal. Kaladukula uh, Bali, of course, getting the goal. Uh, and then, of course, in Group B, we saw England top the group with a, a really good win against Wales. And, of course, the United States beating Iran uh, with a Christian Pulisic goal. Uh, we'll talk more about that shortly. Uh, but I hope you're doing good and well, of course. And those joining us in the chat box, always a pleasure to have you join us. Blackshine, good morning to you, to Ray. Red Star to Clincy, uh, Matt G, Christopher, uh, good morning to PJ and Martin and Rich and Temi, uh, good morning to Tony and Vivian Harvey, uh, pra- uh, Praktika, uh, good morning to you, Stephen, Amira, Martin, Stevie and Louis and Dave and Marcus and Jose, good morning guys, hope you're good, hope you're well uh, and everybody else of course joining us in the chat box too, I hope you've had a good start to your week. Uh, let's uh, Start with uh, Matt Turner and the United States beating Iran to progress through to the knockout stages. Really big result for the United States, who were by far the better team on the day. Um, I watched the last eight minutes because that's what I was allowed to watch after the England game, of course, finished slightly earlier than the USA game. And my goodness, did Iran want that VAR penalty (laughs) as much as they could, which was never, ever in a million years close to a penalty whatsoever but uh, you know in in those desperate times and desperate circumstances it is unsurprising to see anyone trying anything I remember when Barcelona played PSG in that famous Champions League game Luis Suarez going down under a similar challenge and getting a penalty Uh, so you can't blame them Uh, you do anything you can in those moments to try and get yourselves back into the game and of course just the one goal would have sent them through but Matt Turner I think has had an outstanding Group stage, and I think that actually he's 
showing a potential a lot of his doubters wrong during this period. Uh, he obviously needs to do it for Arsenal as well. But I think it's been a great example of what Matt Turner is capable of. And I thought he dealt with things well. Uh, and I think he's been probably the best Arsenal representative in the tournament so far, which I'm really happy about. Uh, and that's really, really good. Uh, let's move to Brazil. Uh, Jesus and Martinelli are set to start for Brazil in a completely changed side, as Chite is expecting to make a serious number of changes. The team that I think I've seen online so far circulating, we've got uh, uh, Edison obviously coming in. Dani Alves might be at right back. Fabinho's coming in. Bremer's coming in. Uh, we've got Alex Tellez playing at left back. Of course, they've played Alexandro for most of the time there. Uh, Rodrigo coming in with Martinelli on the left, Jesus up top, uh, and Anthony on the right-hand side. So significant changes in the team. Bruno Guimaraes also coming into the team, I believe, according to reports in Brazil. Of course, those same reporters did claim that Martinelli wasn't even in the squad. So we'll have to wait and see if there's much truth to this. But hopefully we get an opportunity to see Jesus and Martinelli play from the start. Uh, Martinelli's been really impressing in training, actually, and uh, doing really, really well. Otherwise, Chite, I don't think, would have even picked him. He was the 26th man in that squad, uh, the last one to be picked. So the fact he's getting lots more minutes is is really good for him. Uh, Saliba also reportedly could be in line to start for France in their left centre-back spot. Uh, we might be seeing an opportunity of Saliba playing in a position he's not yet played for for Arsenal. Many people thought that he might be playing left centre-back when paired with Rob Holding, but it was indeed Rob Holding that was playing at left-back during those Europa League and Cup games. Um, but Saliba could be set to start on that left centre-back spot for Didier Deschamps' final group game. But, of course, France have already progressed through to the next round, as have Brazil. Colo Torre has become the head coach of Wigan Athletic, a former Arsenal defender and invincible, of course, uh, formerly of Manchester City and Liverpool. He did a lot of coaching uh, as well and has been at a number of Premier League level clubs as an assistant manager and now is taking up a head coach role with Wigan. So wishing Colo Torre the best of luck in his coaching career as he kind of progresses to that next step. Uh, Odegaard, we talked about previously, suffered a bit of an impact injury against, uh, who was it against? I want to say it was Finland, I think, in a 1-1 draw with Norway. Um, he also played in a game against uh, Ireland and actually got a couple of assists in that game. But in the game against Finland, which was a 1-1 draw, uh, he did suffer a bit of a hard kick to the ankle, did complete the game. Uh, hasn't returned to Arsenal training yet, but has been training in Tenerife, according to this Instagram post. So looking like there'll be uh, a positive uh, return for Erdegaard and could potentially be part of the squad. Of course, we expect to be travelling out to Dubai on Sunday. That's when the team are expected to be making the flight over to the Middle East on Sunday, the 4th of December. Uh, Tammy Abraham is said to be up for sale, uh, according to reports in Italy. So, of course, always take them with a pinch of salt. But Roma are more open to offers for a player that has been significantly linked to Arsenal and who Arsenal wanted to sign in the summer of 2021, but were unable, of course, to bring the player to the club and in the end ended up bringing in a number of late signings like Tomiyasu and Ramsdale and Erdegaard instead of spending the big money on Tammy Abraham because they couldn't shift either of Lacazette or Aubameyang during that transfer window. Maybe Arsenal return for the striker. I think I'd be surprised to see it happen, but Roma are said to be up for selling uh, Tammy Abraham in the next uh, couple of transfer windows. Uh, Arsenal are also said to be interested in PSG's Spanish international midfielder, Carlos Soler. He's currently out 
with the Spanish national team in Qatar. He scored in their game against Costa Rica, got a really good right-footed shot into the side net, uh, side netting uh, past Kayla Navas and did really well in that game after coming off the bench, as did most of the Spanish squad against a pretty poor Costa Rica side who then went on and beat Japan. And it'll be very interesting to see how their group ends up culminating in their final group stage game with all of the teams in that group still having an opportunity to both go through and get knocked out. Uh, it's a bit of a crazy group that with Germany, Costa Rica, Japan and Spain. But Arsenal is said to have an interest in the centre midfielder. They've supposedly had this interest since he was at Valencia where he played both right midfield in a 4-4-2 and uh, in the middle of the centre park with centre midfielders. So will he be a guy that Arsenal look to bring in in the future? He isn't the the Granite Xhaka replacement, in my view, he is more of kind of an advanced number eight. I don't really see where he would fit into the current setup and when we're being linked to, you know, the likes of, well, you know, the midfielders we've been linked to, Yuri Tielemans, etc. I'm not sure that Carlos Soler fulfills what I'd want to see from a central midfield signing. Uh, and he only just joined PSG last summer. So it is a very quick turnaround that we're seeing these links uh, to PSG Soler, which does make me feel a little bit sceptical of whether or not this is a deal that would end up happening, not just to Arsenal, but anywhere. But stranger things have happened. I remember Demichelis joining Atletico Madrid and then the same summer window joined Man City. So, as I say, stranger things have happened. And our headline story of the day is that uh, Eric Ten Hag of Manchester United is really rushing the United board to push to try and sign Cody Gakpo. Interest from both Arsenal, Chelsea and a number of clubs on the continent after his World Cup exploits have led to Arsenal uh, needing to now, well, they're going to have to really step things up if they want to get their hands on the Dutch international who has three goals in three games for L'Orange. Um, I don't know why I used a uh, French accent <laughs> to describe the Netherlands national team, the Orange, um, but uh, he's done very well uh, whilst in Qatar and has only raised his profile and probably his price as well. But that completes all of today's stories, which means we're going to move to part two and your questions right after this. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Okay, uh, one thing I've noticed about StreamYard is that uh, usually when you play these little overlay videos like you saw there and it pops up, they're now fading away at the end uh, rather than it cutting more abruptly. So I'm seeing myself appear on the screen quicker, which is both good because it gives me a, a better sense of when to start speaking uh, because I know sometimes there's an awkward little gap between when the video ends and when I start speaking just because of how StreamYard works. 
but it's also, I don't know when to start speaking for it to not cut me out. So I'm hoping that that's not going to be a problem moving forwards, but it seems to be uh, a different thing. StreamYard's really gone up in the world in the last six months or so. They've had a lot of new features to the platform and uh, uh, I haven't been able to use many of them, um, but I'm hoping when Arsenal's football gets underway that we might be able to start using it. I'm also, I've got a hope and an idea. Uh, we used to do something called the TGT podcast, which we've not done in a while. We used to do a podcast every Sunday evening, but because of work now, it's become impossible. But I'm not, I really kind of want to, to put together a team to do more of a regular weekly podcast on the channel. Um, because I know people enjoy having an hour and a half or an hour or so of, of listening about Arsenal and chats to to have because there can never be enough Arsenal podcasts out there, of course. But it's something I want to do. Uh, I just need to be able to think together uh, to put a team together, which should be quite good to get some really good listening quality on the channel. It's always difficult finding consistent you know, guests because people have lives and jobs and things like that going on. How selfish. Anyway, let's jump into the chat box with your questions. Uh, and see what you guys are chatting about. Marcus says, five keepers at a World Cup final who have played slash play for one club. Is that a record? Chesney, Turner, Ryan, Martinez, and only one non-starter in Ramsdale. That's a great shout. A number of goalkeepers at a World Cup tournament have all got history of playing for the same team. Arsenal, very well represented past and present at this tournament. Uh, let's go to Dave. He says we should not be looking at Carlos Soler and instead let's concentrate on Danilo and a wide forward. Uh, Oli says I have concerns Gakpo will fit at Arsenal. He's too static. Clive and a few other players have raised a similar concern. Thoughts on his fit for us, especially out wide? You know, I'm I'm really trying to soften my stance on the idea of square pegs, round holes, if you like, the best way to describe it. I don't think there is ever really, uh, and it is very, very difficult to find, one in a million perhaps, a perfect fit in terms of signings. I think Arsenal have managed to sign a couple. I think Martin Odegaard is one. I think Gabriel Jesus has the potential to show he can be another. But it's very difficult to find real perfect fits. I also think that players are malleable, moldable. I think they can change. I think they can adapt. I think there are a number of players at Arsenal that have changed where and what they do, uh, where they play and what they provide. And I think that whilst looking at Gakpo, there are limitations to what he's been doing at PSV and for the Dutch national side. I do think he would still be a very good goal scoring and creative asset to Arsenal. I mean, the goal record that he has both on international now and club level speaks for itself. And I think if Arsenal were able to add Gakpo to the team, they would certainly get goals from him, both that he creates and scores himself. I'm really trying to be more open and less shut down on views. I think I get, it frustrates me when a player is thrown you know, out in a conversation and people are just like, nope. Not for me. <laughs> and typically, they've not even really watched too much of the player before shooting them down. Um, I did a piece on Nico Williams yesterday. Got quite a bit of uh, reaction because Clive very kindly retweeted it. And that obviously spreads the word and gets reactions. But it's very quick to see people kind of shoot down players almost immediately. And when you ask if you've watched them, either you get a response which seems like a lie <laughs> or an honest response saying no to be fair I've not watched too much of them and I wonder what that is I wonder what and maybe you can leave a comment what it is maybe you've done it what what is it about um when you're suggested a potential player and just immediately it just in your mind you're like nah and you may not have ever even watched them uh, and yet you're turning them down I'd be interested to know why that kind of psychological rejection happens when certain player names comes up maybe it's because you're very married to the idea of someone else 
joining Arsenal and that kind of the opportunity to sign a different player is a bit disappointing. Maybe it's that. I don't know. Um, Billy says, big up, Tom. Uh, have you had a play of any of the World Cup fantasy games? No, I didn't do World Cup fantasy this year. I did Euro fantasy in 2021, um, but I've not done the World Cup fantasy game. Uh, I think I just completely forgot with the whole, you know, this World Cup being what it is. And it's been a bit of a distraction from an Arsenal perspective. You know, I, I just didn't get into to looking at fantasy. So, no, I, I haven't done one, Billy. I am in a couple of sweepstakes. I've got Portugal in my work, one at Football London, um, which isn't a bad shout. It's a bit double-edged sword, though, because if I win, it means that Ronaldo's won a World Cup, and I'm not really sure I want to see that happen. But I do have Argentina in my uh, close group of friends uh, sweepstake, which means that Messi would, of course, win and lift the trophy, which I would kind of like to see. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that the uh, the Argentina side of things does me better. Uh, Phil White says, Tom, are you surprised we haven't seen Marquinhos be a part of the under-21 games. He should really be getting loaned out in January unless we don't bring anybody at all during the transfer window. Um, he has been part of them. He was part of the, the games at the start of the season. He also did drop back in. Do you remember that period where he, he was injured and he wasn't able to play in the Europa League games and he wasn't in the squad? He did get back to fitness by playing one or two games with the under-21. So he has played some. Maybe he should have played more. Uh, my colleague Bailey Keogh was actually at one of the, I think it was the Northampton game. It might be wrong, but going off the top of my head here, I think it was the Northampton game where Marquinhos played and he wasn't impressed with him at all. Uh, said that Matt Smith was the most impressive player on the pitch and Marquinhos struggled. So I think he does need a loan in January. I think that is the way forward for Marquinhos and the way that he would probably end up getting into the Arsenal team. Um Nizakit says, hi, Tom. I know you don't. I know you say don't look at World Cup form, but what do you think of Mohamed Kudus? Uh, do you think he would be fitted at Arsenal? I don't need to look at World Cup form for him. I know he's done very well for Ajax and in the Champions League, he's impressed as well. Again, he's more of an attacking midfielder. He's, I know he's versatile enough and could play in a wide area. I'm just not sure that's the profile that Arsenal are really uh, looking to. I think we're looking at more of a wide forward. And Kudos strikes me more as kind of an attacking midfielder. And for that reason, I think we've got enough players in that role. Smith, Rowe, Vieira, Odegaard. I'm not necessarily sure that Kudos is the right player for that. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, let's go to Frank. He says, hi, Tom. Is there any chance or new concerning news on Raphael Liao? He would make a very good addition to our playing style. It would be very expensive is what it would be. Uh, and at the moment, his contract situation continues to kind of trundle along without any kind of resolution Still awaiting any news on whether or not he will sign that new deal. He is a player I like a lot. I would love to see join the club. I think he's got the versatility to play in the forward line, uh, across the forward line as a striker, as a wide forward. He'd be up one of the, near the top of my list of strikers and wide forwards to bring in. Um, but yeah, it's it's difficult. Uh, Louis says, Tom, you should also start using the term spearhead as well as bottleneck, just another alternative. I think a spearhead is different to a bottleneck. Um, for those that are tuning into the channel for the first time, we're thinking, what on earth is this that I've just tuned into? Um, for me, a spearhead is the leading line of the attack. You know, I think Gabriel Jesus is a bit of a spearhead of our attack, although he does come deep, of course. Um and I think that a spearhead is, is, yes, can be a focal point. But I also think it is just a, a more general term for the, the, the tip of the spear, uh, the tip of the attack. Whereas a bottleneck striker, I think actually there's there's more uh, theory behind that around like the Cristiano Ronaldo effect where all the chances kind of go towards them. Um, whereas a spearhead, I think, is just a more general term for the tip of, of whatever teams attack, typically being a single striker system. Um, I think that's probably the better way to describe it. Uh, Stephen says, hi, Tom. Morning, all. Uh, question, are players are quitting themselves well in the World Cup? In my opinion, which 
can which can help their confidence? Question mark. I think, yeah, obviously, if they play well in the World Cup, it's going to help their confidence. It's going to help them push forwards and get momentum going. That's the benefit of being in a World Cup is that, you know, they're playing games uh, and they're building up that kind of confidence and performance. But uh, it's not for Arsenal, which sucks. But hopefully that can continue. Uh, into things. Uh, Ethan says, which Arsenal player do you think has had the best chance at the World Cup so far? For me, it's Matt Turner. Ethan, first of all, thank you for the kind donation. That's very kind of you. Um, and thank you for supporting the channel. Uh, Matt Turner, I agree with you, as I mentioned at the start of the show, absolutely has been the best World Cup performer in an Arsenal who wears an Arsenal shirt. Uh, for me, absolutely. I think it has to be him. It's between him and then I think, you know, you're looking at then Granit Xhaka, uh, and then uh, Thomas Partey, I think potentially. I'm probably forgetting someone. Bakaya Saka scored two goals in the first game, but then has dipped a bit. Didn't play yesterday, had a bit of a rest. So I suppose Saka has to go out there for scoring two goals in that first game. But I think that, you know, Xhaka and Partey have also been fairly decent. Uh, TJ Max says, if Harry Kane finishes a career with no trophies at all, is he really world-class? If he is, can you name any other world-class players that never won a trophy? Has Sergei Milinkovic-Savic ever won a trophy? Let's have a quick look uh, at his honours. He's the one that immediately came to mind. Honours. Uh, yeah, he won the Coppa Italia in 2018-19. Super Coppa Italia in 2017 and 2019. So he was the first one that came to mind because I couldn't think of when Lazio last won a trophy. I'm trying to think of anyone else. Um, maybe the chat will come up with some names uh, of players that... Can you be world-class if you never win a trophy? It's a really good question. I'm trying to think of one club players um, that were of a really good level. Uh, I mean, is Declan Rice world-class? Uh, hasn't won a trophy yet for, for West Ham, of course, but is he a world-class level player? Maybe. Um, Partey's definitely won a trophy, Marcus. Uh, we won the FA does the FA... No, he wasn't. He didn't sign for us before it was 2020, so it would have been a month after. Partey hasn't won a trophy with us, but I think, he, I think he's won the Europa League with Atletico Madrid, Partey. So he's definitely had a trophy in his career. Um, Milinkovic-Savage is not world-class, says Siobonga. I disagree significantly with that. Uh, I absolutely believe him to be world-class. Is Koulibaly... Uh, has he won a trophy? That's a good shout. Just saw that in the chat box. A little quick check. Honours... He has, yet yeah, won a Coppa Italia with Napoli in 2019-20 and a Super Coppa Italia in 2014. He also won the Belgian Cup with Genk in 2012-13 and the Africa Cup of Nations in 2021. So, uh, Koulibaly has certainly won trophies. It's difficult, isn't it, trying to think of players that have not won trophies um, that you would define as world-class? Hummin Son, as Son won a trophy outside of... Uh, out, well, not I say outside of Spurs because <laughs> he's never won anything else. Uh, he has won, oh, nothing. Uh, South Korea under 23s, the Asian Games in 2018. That's it. Lots of individual awards, but nothing team wise. So, yeah, it's another good example. And ironically, you have to say, I, I, I don't want to call him that, but Humans on his world class, absolutely. Uh, he's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. I don't like him any 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 bit at all. Can't stand the guy. 
But yeah, Hyunmin Son is another another good shout. So it's a good question, though. Uh, thinking of players that have never won a trophy that you would still define as as world class. Uh, very interesting question indeed. Uh, maybe you can leave some comments down below uh, if you're watching on catch up. Uh, John says, surely if you play for your country in the World Cup, you are world class. <laughs> it's an interesting way of putting it. I mean, world class. It's subjective, isn't it? It's it's completely subjective. It's individual. It's personal. You decide what you think world class is. If you think somebody isn't world class, who am I to say that you're wrong? Because it's a subjective term. If you think a player, if you think world class can be defined by playing in a World Cup because you're on a level that competes on the world stage, who am I to tell you that that's wrong? Because it's completely subjective. So I guess it's a difficult one. Um, what about the Audi car? <laughs> says Bakary Lasagna. Um, let's go to Always Jim. Uh, says it's not the right measurement. An individual being world class won't win a whole team trophies. So you'd gauge it by individual accolades like golden boots, etc. Fair enough. I mean, if you want to measure it based on that, I think that's fair. Again, it's completely uh, objective. So there you go. Um, Esmond says, any thoughts on Ronaldo's goal? Uh, it touched his hair. Uh, well, apparently, according to Adidas, he made no connection with the ball. So it's not his goal. So there you go. Um, Marcus says, Partey won uh, the Europa League and a very random in 2020 uh, to 21 La Liga as he played enough matches of the year to then get signed by us to get a medal as well. Does that count? I feel like they shouldn't count when that happens. Didn't Coutinho get a medal as well or so, or would have got a medal if they had won it during the season he moved? It's very strange. Um, I think that was the year that they lost to Madrid in the final of the Champions League. Very strange. I remember Richie Delat, uh famously was at Leicester during the season that they won the Premier League. And then he went on loan. I want to say, was it to Norwich? Did he go to? And I think he picked up medals for both clubs for league titles. Uh, let me have a quick check. Uh, he won the Premier League in 2015-16 with Leicester. And then he, oh, he was a runner-up for Middlesbrough in 2015-16. He didn't, the Middlesbrough didn't win the league, but they did get promoted with Richie Delat. But that was the one that came to mind. So I remember there was an article that went out during that season around how Richie Delat could win two league titles in the same season because he left um, to get enough med to get enough appearances before uh, before leaving for um, for Middlesbrough. Yeah, he made 12 appearances in the Premier League for for Leicester during 15-16, and then moved the Championship, I think, on a six-month loan and made 10 appearances when Middlesbrough finished runner-up in that table. So, yeah, very, very strange one. There you go. And I guess that brings us on to the question from Undead Minion, who says, how many of Leicester's players are world-class? Because they've won the Premier League. It's a great question. I suppose silverware isn't maybe a perfect uh, way to kind of look at whether a player is world-class the same way the player plays in a, uh, a World Cup. It doesn't mean they're world-class. Uh, so there you go. Uh, Sean says, if Kane is world-class with no trophy, Vardy must be a Premier League legend. I think that Vardy will go down as a bit of a Premier League legend, to be honest. I don't think there's too much of an argument to suggest that Vardy wouldn't be a Premier League legend. Uh, you think about his story, everything around him, the record he holds with the consecutive number of games that he scored in during a season in which his side against all odds won the Premier League. I don't really have too much of an issue with thinking that Jamie Vardy is a bit of a Premier League legend once he retires. I think he will be considered as such. So, yeah, uh, I think he maybe could have become more of a legend if he'd have moved to Arsenal in that £20 million deal. But uh, he decided not to. Uh, so there you go. Um, anyway, we're going to round things off there. Some very interesting topics to discuss, which I like during this period of, of the World Cup, because, of course, 
uh, talking about Arsenal during the World Cup can be a bit of a challenge sometimes with the amount of news that's going on. But do leave a comment down below as your thoughts on any of the topics that we've brought up in today's show. If you're listening on audio platforms, please make sure you leave a five-star review and a uh, and a written review on iTunes. If you listen over there, that would be really, I'd be really appreciative if you could indeed do that. Uh, and of course, drop a like on the video here on YouTube and subscribe to the channel if you're new around here with those notifications turned on so you never miss a show. Uh, I look forward to bringing you another show tomorrow morning, as always, and the rest of the uh, games being covered as well. Uh, Lovely stuff. See you again very soon. Have a great day. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.